Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldersand, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Tweet Tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? It's 291 6901. And you put a 225 in front of that. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. And we sure wish you would. We always enjoy hearing from folks all around the country, all around the world, and really right here in the Baton Rouge metropolitan area. That's it. Just right now is the perfect time to call. That's right. Go ahead and give us a call. It's 291-6901. We'd love to hear from you. Try to help you out and point you in the right direction. Maybe you'll help somebody else out. That's it. Maybe you'll... Well, lost you'll... my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> you got the right train. You're on the wrong track. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, a lot of times Sometimes a person will call in with a question or a comment, and it'll spur someone else who was listening and, listening and maybe, didn't realize. Yeah, didn't. Well, yeah, that happens to me too. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's why we always enjoy the callers. Of course, if not, we sit in yak back and forth. And Joe, we got a pretty good topic yeah, today. That's right, we could fill this hour in. Pretty <laughs> doggone easy. So yeah, give us a call two nine one sixty nine zero one. Just in case you don't get a chance to call in, maybe something occurred to you later on. That's right, or maybe even next week at midnight. There you go. You can always go to our website, get your questions answered that way. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O. You can take the acronym Altazan's Garage Company. That'll get you to our site, and there is a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button, fill out the form, and click the send button. Couldn't be much easier. That's right. You go ahead and send it to us. I'll be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. Last week, we started talking about buying things used, rebuilt. Versus new. New and such as that. And then we kind of morphed into automobiles because uh-huh. that's probably one of the biggest purchases that people make particularly automotive related right and i'd like to go ahead and kind of expound on that topic a little more because i don't think we got a chance to really really cover it good but buying cars in general be they new or used or whatever is sort of a thing that most people don't do that much i mean most people maybe buy two or three four or five cars maybe in their lifetime right so they're not really adept on doing it I, I don't know if you ever really get adept on doing that unless you're not unless you're doing it every buyer. day right yeah and, and even then and the buying process is i think purposely made difficult and purposely made cloudy and purposely made to favor the manufacturers and the people selling the cars sure because they pretty much set up the rules and the regulations, all that kind of stuff but if you ever notice when you go and start looking at cars the first thing, or one of the very first things they will always ask you is, how much can you afford a month? Right. It's not how much is how much is the car. It's how much can you afford a month? That's right. And when they once established that, they pretty much got the hook planted, uh-huh. and they just ready to start reeling you in. You don't ever want to get into a discussion of how much you can afford a month. Right. What you want to do is, before you ever go to the dealership, look at the different kind of cars that are available. Once you get there, the emotions kind of kick in. And right. believe me, they've got this all set up. I mean, they, uh, they just, do this every day for a living. Yeah, I mean, that's how they make their money. It's orchestrated. And so you're very much less likely to make a non-biased, non-emotional decision once you get in that dealership. Mm-hmm. So what you need to do is before you ever get there, sit down, look at cars. In the clear light of day, no emotions involved. Right. What is it that you need? Now, if what you need is reliable transportation from point A to point B. Okay, write that down. Mm-hmm. Now, That's... what are the things that are important to you? Is fuel mileage important? To some people it is, some people it's not. Right. If you don't drive very far, then it's probably not a big issue. If you drive a lot, it's probably a big issue. Let's look at things like performance. Is a performance car important to you? Because some folks are going through the second childhood. I know I am. You, know, you go through a certain point in life, you got more money than you ever had at any point prior to that and you always wanted a sports car well that well, 
Right. Hey, some people do it with cars. Some people do it with houses. Some motorcycles, people cycles, whatever. Right. Whatever your life is too short not to have what you want. So exactly. if that's what you want, that goes to the top of the list. However, if that is not what you want, if what you're looking for is basic transportation to and from work, when you get to the lot and you see that red sports car with the big motor and the 22-inch tires. And the convertible top. It's going right. to look a lot more appealing than that little stripped-down box that you were looking at. Uh-huh. I mean, the mine is a comparator. And once you go out, you're going to start looking at all the accessories and gadgets and gizmos and things this car will do and right. how fast it is and all that. And it's very easy to get off on a tangent and be sold something way, way far from what you need your first trip to the dealership you shouldn't be buying a car yeah you, your first trip you should be looking leave your credit card home exactly leave your checkbook home bring 20 bucks cash and go look at cars and bring a friend with you with way more willpower than you got right <laughs> right you should not be buying a car the first time you right. go out you just I want mean, to look around gather information sure and if you write this down, put it on a piece of paper when you start getting a cloudy mind pull that paper out and look, look at, at it, it. right like, this is what i want because I can tell you for sure, once you get there and the ring, ring, and the bring, bring, and ding, ding starts going on. Oh, yeah. That piece of paper stays in your pocket, or you, oh, yeah. you forget all yeah. about that. Yeah, I mean, it's when you see a car, that'll sync with your iPhone. It'll talk to you, and it's got GPS in the dash. Right. Da, 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 da. But most people never sit and question, do I really need any of this? Do I really want any of this? Mm-hmm. Am I ever going to use any of this? And, and most time, the answer is going to be no. Right. I got a customer who comes in, and he likes going hunting. Okay. But he doesn't get to go hunting very much. Maybe once a year, sometimes every other year, he takes a hunting trip. Wow. So when he does, it's nice to have a four-wheel drive truck. Mm-hmm. So he went and bought a four-wheel drive truck. Now, that's great. If that's what you want. That's what you can afford. That's good. But 99.9% of the time, he's not using the four-wheel drive truck. He's going right. back and forth to work. He's going back and forth to the grocery store. He's just driving around his truck. But he's paying a much higher price in the way of fuel in the way of insurance in the way of maintenance to maintain all the stuff that he rarely ever uses exactly to be practical he could have bought a small economy car and once a year or every other year went and rented a truck somewhere a four-wheel drive truck or well, got, got a four-wheel, four-wheel i was or just something. fixing to say even <laughs> if he'd have bought an economy pickup truck right you could have bought a four-wheeler put in the back of it and you could have gone anywhere that big truck would have gone that's right and I'm not saying if you want a four-wheel drive truck, you should do without it. That's not what I'm saying at all. Exactly. If you want it and you can afford it, then God bless you. But just understand that it's going to cost more than an economy truck of lesser. Cost more to buy. It's going to cost more to maintain. All those gadgets and gizmos will eventually break and have to be maintained. So there's going to be a huge price that you're going to pay. It's sort of like a guy who needs a house, and what he needs is maybe a 1,200-square-foot house because it's just him and his wife or whatever. And he starts looking at houses, and he gets caught up, and he ends up buying a 4,800-square-foot house. Right. Well, now he doesn't use two-thirds of the rooms. He's paying property tax. He's paying insurance. He's paying utilities on this big, big house. He's having to have it painted. He's having to have it maintained. He's having to have it roofed, all these things, but he never uses it. And if it makes him happy, that's great, but it's just not what he really needed originally. And had he maybe used a more logical approach, he probably wouldn't have done that, and he could have took all that extra money and did other things that he enjoys, maybe mm-hmm. a whole lot more. Right. So if you want something, be sure it makes your list. Go ahead and put that on a list. In other words, if a convertible is what you want, then write that down. Because you don't want to get there and get talked into a hard top. Right. Well, we've got this one. It's faster and it's prettier and it does, da, 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 but you really want a convertible because now you still don't have it. And another thing – Cars today are so precisely engineered. It's not like the old days where you would buy a car 
and then fix it up the way you want it. No, mm-hmm. you go in, change the wheels, change the tires, change this. You might change the motor. Who knows? Change the rear end gears. You could customize the way you want it. For the most part, you're not going to be able to do that on modern cars. When you do, all the check engine lights are going to pop on. The traction control light is going to pop on. It's going to start driving bad. It's going to start shaking. It's going to start vibrating because you have violated what the car was originally built to do. Correct. So if you want 22-inch wheels and tires, buy a car that's got 22-inch wheels and tires. It's been engineered for that car. It's all designed and set up. The speedometer is going to be calibrated. Everything is going to work properly with it. But if you buy a car with 17-inch wheels and tires and then yank it all off and then go get 22-inch wheels and tires to put on it, the car's probably never going to be the same again. <laughs> exactly. Those, and like, not in a good way. <laughs> yeah, like you were saying, those wheels are actually engineered for that car. They fit that car. They were made to fit that car. Well, that's right. Most of your aftermarket stuff is not is a kind of a universal fit. Mm-hmm. The hole in the center is bigger than the original hole, so it will fit different applications well, and, with one wheel. And even wheel. if it fits perfectly, the car's not engineered <clears throat> for it. The gearing is not designed for that so now speedometer's wrong right all the computers are using the speed sensor so all that input is wrong so it starts doing all kind of wacko stuff another example might be if you wanted say a performance car and instead you went and bought a grocery getter a mm-hmm. stand. well don't think you could go and tune this thing and get the performance you want out of it right because that's just likely not going to happen Hey, we're going to take our first quick little break. We'll be right back with more of the Automotive Hour. Hi, folks. Louis Aldazan here from Agco Automotive. Our team is celebrating 40 years in business, and we're getting congratulatory calls from all kinds of characters. And I do mean characters. You know, Lewis, me and Scoob will never forget the time that you fixed the alignment on the mystery machine. Forty years is really far out, man. <laughs> Lewis, there's a lot of lily-livered varmints out in the automotive world, but not of you. You're the best north, south, east, and west of the Pecos. Hats off to 40 years, partner. Forty years is almost higher than I can count. My only complaint is that you don't give away free donuts. <sighs> donuts. Well, it seems like high-quality automotive care in this day and age is still appreciated. I just can't believe all these characters really call. Oh, well, they always say I am quite an animated guy. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Welcome back. Thanks for spending your Saturday morning with us. My name is Louis Aldazan. I've got Mr. Brian Terry right here by my side. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? It's 291 6901. Talking about buying cars this morning, we'll entertain any topic you might have. You just give us a call. Whether it's a squeaking brake or a squeaking belt or a car won't start, a car won't stop, you just give us a call. We're going to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. That's right. We were talking about cars, and one of the statements that we had made was you don't want to get into the little trap of how much can you afford a month. Correct. For the most part, you can be able to beat the financing that you get at a dealership. Sure. Dealerships, even the 0% financing, is added back into the price somewhere. For the most part, if you go and arrange your financing elsewhere before you go. Right. I know that I did the same thing when I bought my truck. Mm-hmm. And there was a almost a three hundred dollar difference between me getting my financing right. outside of the dealership. Oh yeah, go and get your financing all, and that way you know how much car you can afford. Sure, put that on your little written list as well, so you know what you're looking for. Because when you go down there and they start getting your head in a desert and da 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 da, and 
before you know it, they're going to talk you into a lease or something because they can get those monthly payments down. The reason you're getting the monthly payments down is because you're trading all your equity. You're not buying anything. You're renting a car. Sure. Which is cheaper than buying a car. So that's good reason that most financial advisors call those a fleece. Right. Because <laughs> that's exactly. pretty much what's happening to you. Hey, let's go to our phone lines with Deborah. Good morning, Deborah. Good morning. Yes, ma'am. I have a question. You bet. On my dashboard, there's a digital clock. Okay. And now I can barely see it. It's just like the top part of it goes up. Mm-hmm. What kind of car is it, Deborah? Uh, it's a Mercedes. Okay. Uh, most likely the little LED display. See, it's a little LED in there, and the way that works, it's a bunch of little small, tiny tubes with gas in them. And if you get like a loose connection, or if the gas leaks out of one or two of the tubes, or something like that, you'll start to get that dulling down, dimming down effect. Most of the time, that cannot be repaired. That's going to have to be replaced. You know, you'd have to fix, replace that little clock module to get that out. Now, is the clock a separate part from the rest of the dash, or is it integral with the instrument cluster? It's all, uh, well, they're like three separate things. Yeah. If it's separate from the rest of the instruments, then it may not be too terribly expensive. You could probably have it replaced. If it's part of the instrument cluster, it gets very, very, very expensive. And some of those can be rebuilt. There are companies around, not in Baton Rouge, but there are companies around the country. You can go on the Internet and Google it and they may offer a rebuilt dash panel, which would be much less expensive than a new one, because some of those can be shockingly expensive. Even on, like, a domestic car, those can be eight, $900. And on Mercedes, probably double that. So you got to kind of weigh out how important it is to you to be yeah. live without the clock. You know? i got to watch. Yeah, there gotta, you got to watch. There exactly. Those little stick-on clocks from Walmart and stick over the top of it or something. But, yeah, I would maybe have somebody knowledgeable look at it and kind of tell you what they think it would take to fix it and then you can make a more informed decision but you might even google it on the internet just whatever model car you have clock and sometimes there's like a pattern failure i don't work on european cars so i'm not sure on a mercedes but a lot of cars have pattern failures and stuff like that and sometimes there's an easier fix i know like on the hondas they have a lot of trouble with the light the backlights go out and you could pull the clock out and you can change those two little backlights relatively easily but like I said, I don't work on European, so I'm not really sure on that. But it sounds like the LEDs are probably going bad on it. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks, calling. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, why don't you go give us calls? 291-6901. There you go. We really appreciate hearing from you. And we were talking about buying cars and such as that. And, of course, you want to get your financing lined up, know how much you can spend, put in writing, and that just helps to reinforce it in your mind. If nothing more than an index card, mm-hmm. just right you can see on it. there. And that way, when you start to get confused or you start to waffle from where you originally were, bring it out and look at it. And that sometimes can bring you back to reality. Mm-hmm. The very best thing, one of the most powerful things, and one of the last things a guy in dealerships ever going to see you do, and that is, well, I'm going to go home and think about it. Right. They don't want you to leave oh, once no, you're there. No, it's like a casino. The reason they bring drinks to you at the table and exactly. bring snacks to you at the table, so, they do not want you to leave the table. No, they don't want you to know how long you've been sitting <laughs> oh, there. Yeah, if they can figure out a way to hook up a bathroom at that table <clears throat> where you, you can just go right there, they'd do that. Sure they would. Because once you walk away from the environment that you're in, your mind starts to go back to reason. start to rise. I said, well, right. wait a minute, what am I doing here? Right. And the same thing in that dealership. 
That's, when, what, that's what they call an impulse buy. That's right. Well, you go in, and what first thing they're going to do, they're going to show you two high-dollar cars, and they're going to start comparing the two. So in your mind, you start comparing two cars, one to the other. You say, well, this one's got this, this one's got that, and, and this one's a little bit less now. Okay, well, this is a better choice. And you forgot that neither one of those was your choice to start with. Right. <laughs> you just been switched to a high-dollar car. It's probably not even what you want. It's probably something he's got on a lot. Uh-huh. And, I mean, that's what professional salesmen do. That's why they're there, right. is to sell you what they have on a lot at the most money they possibly can get out of it. Well, and with today's Internet, you can go on the Internet with that amount of money, and you can look and see what's at the dealership that costs that much. That's right. You don't have to go to the dealership to see what a car costs. That's right. And what you want to do is get a firm understanding, a firm grasp on what it is that you want before you get there. Sure. Because I'm going to tell you, once you're in that environment, they put you in that little room, and they, well, let me go talk to the boss, and then you leave you in there for 30 minutes, and they come back, and da-da-da-da, and then another salesman, oh, you're getting to such-and-such, man, that's a great car, da-da-da. Yeah, you know, that's, that's when I get up and walk out. Oh, yeah, that is when, all When the salesman leaves the office, yeah. that's it. Yeah. I'm done. I'm I get out. up and walk out. <laughs> they catch me in the parking lot. There you go. Where there are you go. going? Where are you going? I'm done. Yeah. If, I can't, if you yeah. can't tell with me. Let me deal with the guy you're dealing with. That's right. Well, it's kind of like if I go to lunch with someone and they pull out a cell phone and start talking on it. I just yeah. get up and leave. Yeah, I'm said, done. Well, obviously, you got something more important to do than having lunch with me. Right. We're <laughs> done. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Boy, I tell you. But that's the way you want to handle that. Go ahead and do all that work up front. Then when you get to the dealership, you want to go ahead and make your best deal. Mm-hmm. Now, another thing you want to do, because this is an area where a lot of people get kind of bamboozled, and that is with your trade-in. Right. And what I would suggest is go in, and when they ask you about trace, I'm not trading anything. I, right. just, I just want That's price price. Right. right. Go ahead and make your best deal on the car, and then tell them what you're going to trade. Mm-hmm. Because what they will do is they're going to get the, the trade worked up into the negotiations, and that just throws a third factor in there and makes it more confusing. Right. They'll show you they're giving you a whole bunch of money for your trade. Of course, they're just jacking you up on the other end, extending the payments out longer to keep it so much per month. Mm-hmm. You're going to end up paying a lot more money than you think you are. Now, if you really want to know what your trade is worth, go ahead and make your best deal and then tell them, okay, I've got this to trade. Right. Then you can find out what you're really getting for your trade. In some cases, it may be more cost-effective just to go ahead and sell the car yourself. Some cases, not. Right. But at least that way, you're getting far more accurate information. I know when I go, when I did... My trade-in was 15 years old, so mm-hmm. I knew what it was worth. You knew what it was worth. That's <laughs> yeah. <right>. But <laughs> we didn't work into that. Had you walked in and told them you want trade, they'd have showed you they were giving you $6,000 for that car. Right. And Right. It was worth 1500 you, know? yeah, you and I both know you're not getting anywhere close to that. Exactly. They're just inflating something else, and they're jacking you up on the other side, and, of course, they're adding this fee and that fee and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Yep. And you're going to walk out paying way more money. It's just you need to have accurate information. And there's nothing there. Everything there is going to be smoke and mirrors. Mm -hmm. It's all designed to sell you more car. An old saying, they said that when a person walks onto a car lot, GM, Ford, Christ, all these guys have done studies, and they said the chances are almost 80% that he's going to leave with a car. Mm -hmm. Because he's already made up his mind he's going to buy a car. He's already thought about how cool he's going to be in this car. He's told his neighbor this nice new car he's going to get. Right. So when he walks on a lot, the chances are probably 80% he's going to have a car. Now, the fact is that probably only about 20 to 30% of people actually leave with a car. Now, what happens? Why does They, they said that in most of the cases, the salesman actually screws the deal. <laughs> yeah. He ends up offending somebody. Well, the or, salesman or the finance guy? Or the finance guy. It was, it was the finance guy in my yeah. There you go. In my dealings, but so, that happens. You know, when you're spending that kind of money, number one, you ought to be having fun. You know, right. If I'm spending that kind of money to go on vacation, I'm going to have a good time. Right. I guarantee you, if I'm spending that kind of money on anything else, I'm going to be having a good time. And in order for me to have a good time, I'm going to be in control of the situation. Sure. I'm not going to walk in and let them take over and dictate to me. 
I'm going to dictate to them because I'm the one spending the money. Right. And you've got the all-powerful weapon, and that is, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go home and think about this. And they're going to start, oh, no, 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 don't do that. Look, at it, da, 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 da. Look, let's do this, let's do that. Just, right. Just no, no. turn around and walk away. I'm going home and think about it. Because you're not going to make a decision as life-altering as buying a car. Because you talk well, about committing yourself for anywhere from three to six to seven years at a note you can't get out of. You're going to have to pay it. You're contractually sure. obligated. You can end up with a car that you're going to have to maintain and all that kinds of stuff. In the meantime, why are you paying a note? Is that really something you want to make on a spur of the moment? Right. It's really not. It's best to just get up. If you don't feel 100% confident, if you're not getting exactly what you want, just get up and leave. And when you get one particular car in mind, then you're kind of behind the eight ball even worse. Mm -hmm. You decide, I have got to have a 2015 red Chevrolet Corvette. Right. Well, there ain't many places you can get one of those. That's right. And now you are pretty much way, way behind the eight ball, whereas you said, what I want is a sports car. Well, now you've got a lot more choices. Mm-hmm. You can start comparing one offering to another offering to another offering. Now, if what you want, you got your heart set on as a Corvette, that's fine. Right. Go buy that. But stop and think, is that really what, do I really want that car or do I want the things that car does? Because mm-hmm. a lot of other cars may do that same thing. Right. And when you can branch out your field of cars you're going to look at, you have much, much better opportunity than when you're locked into one car or one car type or whatever. When you fall in love with a car, you're probably going to end up getting abused because <laughs> that car don't, don't fall in love with you. It right. is not emotional. You know, and, and it's the dealership doesn't fall in love with you. It's just all about money. Right. You know, they're there to sell you the most expensive model with the biggest markup that they got on a lot, and that's what it's all about. Some of those cars run sixty. Fifty, sixty thousand oh, dollars easily can spend that much money on a car, and that's not anything exotic. Now, if you start looking at something exotic like some of your European cars, you oh yeah, you're over a hundred thousand dollars, right? Pretty darn fast. And I'm sure there's probably some domestic cars that that are approaching that now. They're getting close. Yeah, I mean, some of your top end Lexus and then some of your uh, big Cadillacs right. and stuff like that. Yeah, they just way, 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 way high. And a lot of what is going into the price of that car has nothing to do with you getting down the road. That's right. It has to do with the amount of money they're spending on advertising to get you into the dealership. It the has to do with two hundred. The, the government mandated they run into a wall. Well, yeah, the health care for the auto workers, the kickbacks to the politicians to let them do the things they want to do. Right. All that's added back to the price of a car, and has nothing to do with you actually getting value. Mm-hmm. Now, perhaps a much much sounder thing if you look at this, Nicole light of day right and that is to find a used vehicle reason being on a used vehicle a lot of those factors have already been paid by the guy who bought it up front the guy who paid retail delivery he's all paid that, all that he's paid all that right that's why a car will generally drop to half or less in three years so i want to walk in at three years buy this car for about half price mm-hmm and then move forward from there. And, of course, the first thing people, well, I'm not going to have a warranty. You bought the car for half price. Right. Stick $3,000 or $4,000 into a CD, and some breaks. Some breaks, you there got you go. money to fix it. You're still way, way, way dollars ahead. Oh, most definitely. Hey, we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more on the Automotive Hour. We'll come back after the break. Hi, it's Louis Altazan from Agco Automotive. It's our 40-year anniversary, and the phone's been ringing off the hook with congrats from far and wide. Good day, and congratulations from Buckingham Palace. Next time you're in London, Louis, you must stop by for tea. I'm restoring an old Aston Martin and have some questions about the timing adjustments. Hope to see you soon. 
Lewis, it's your nanny. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I wanted to call and tell you how proud I am of you. Forty years is nothing to sneeze at. <laughs> ho, ho, ho! Lewis, fixing cars right the first time for over 40 years. You've been a very good boy. I think I have something special for you this year. Keep up the good work. See calls from far and wide. I guess 40 years of high-quality work really means a lot to people and keeps me on the nice list. Now I can't wait for Christmas. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. I don't mind it because the man with the whiskers has a lot behind it, but I can't keep Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, we're just sitting here talking about cars and buying cars and... How to buy cars how and to buy car. how not to buy cars. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, but we can talk to you about anything you might have. Old rear end humming or transmission won't shift. That's right. What little rattle noise in the engine. There you go. Bumping on bumps. Yep. That's it. Give us a call. Two nine one sixty nine zero one. We'd glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. We were talking just before the break about buying a used car as opposed to a new, new car. car. Mm-hmm. And Clearly, the reason to do that is a huge savings in sure. cost. And the first thing most people can point out, well, it's a risk to buy a used car. Well, it is. And sure. life is not about totally avoiding risk. Life is about managing risk. Mm-hmm. Because there is a risk-cost relationship in everything that we do. Right. Basically, the more risk we're willing to assume, the less cost we're going to pay and right. vice versa. Now, if you can't tolerate any risk at all, go buy a brand new car with a warranty, and there's very, very little risk. I mean, unless you just get a bad design, which is not that common, but it could happen. But if it does break, you can bring it back, and they can probably fix it under warranty, right. and so on. So the risk is fairly low. When you buy a used car, you are assuming the risk that nothing is going to happen with the car, but you are saving a huge amount of money in the process. Almost 50%. Yeah, if you can save 50%, I can assume some risk. Sure. Now, more to the point, it is very, very easy to hedge your bet. In other words, you can mitigate a lot of these risks with some simple steps. Number one is buy a car that has a track record of not having a lot of problems. Sure. For instance, there are some cars that are just known to be more problematic than other cars. And particularly as they get older, they have way more problems. If you talk to your auto mechanic, if you have a good trusted auto mechanic, Ask him, what do you think about blah, blah, blah? Mm-hmm. Well, we love them because it's my four grand every time they roll in here. Right. Well, that's probably not the car you want to buy. Or versus a car that we hardly ever see. That's right. And a car that has a good service history, they're going to know about that. Sure. And they can give you some advice. So that's one really good way to hedge your bet is to buy a car with a good service history. Right. A lot of times you can talk to your mechanic and actually find out what kind of vehicles he owns. Yeah. Because he's not going to put up with a lot of well, having to work on his own car. For the most part, he's I mean, not. he works on works on everybody else's car, That's so right. when it, doesn't want his to time his off, he don't want to work on his own. That's a fact. Now, another thing you can do, and I would suggest this on any used car you ever consider purchasing, and that is have a pre-purchase inspection. And the key word here is pre-purchase. Right. Not after you purchase. Don't go buy the car and then bring it in. Exactly. <laughs> And another thing that I've seen, I've never understood this, but I have seen it happen more than one time. We've had folks come in, we check the vehicle, advise them not to buy it because right. it's got this two, problem, three, four big problems, mm-hmm. and they buy it anyway. Right. And I don't understand that, but I guess everybody does what they want to do. 
I had a fellow one time come in and I said, well, I would not buy this car because number one, the timing belt has not been replaced. Number two, it needs four tires on it. Number three, and most important, the transmission is slipping and is a code for a transmission in memory. Right. So between those three items, you're probably going to drop five to $6,000 in this car within the next year. Sure. I would not buy that car. Well, I'm getting a good deal. Well, you're not it can't be that, that good, good a deal. deal. <laughs> yeah. if, if they give it to you for free, it's not that good of a deal. Exactly. He bought the car anyway. Well, okay. first thing he did, went and bought a set of tires. Next mm-hmm. thing he brought it to us, we put a timing belt on it. Right. About two months later, transmission went out. Right. And I told him, you do recall me telling you, yeah, but I didn't. Uh, well. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. But the point is, have a good inspection done by a trusted professional and then follow his advice. Right. Every car is individual. Mm-hmm. So just because you buy, let's just say, a Toyota Corolla yeah. with a great history record, you should still get that vehicle checked. Well, because you don't know what's happened to this particular, particular car. vehicle. Exactly. And the same thing with anything you buy. This particular car may not have a very good overall service history. However, this particular one may be in fine shape. Mm-hmm. So you may be passing up a deal on something. I like to see that even done with a new car. Yeah, it wouldn't be a bad idea. Because I have seen, new I've been to the problem. dealerships before, mm-hmm. and you go there to buy parts and look down through the service bay, and there's 15 brand new trucks on the rack yeah. with the transmissions out. Well, that's right. And you I know, mean, so you, it's, you've worked in new car dealerships, same as I have. Right. And how many times you see them come in damaged, come in, don't start, come in, won't back up. Right. And they go and repair it and do all these things right then. Well, that may not be the best car for you to buy. Exactly. Depending on how the work was done. So, yeah, it's not even a bad idea on a new car, but certainly on a used car because this car, I had a guy come in, and he bought a, a, a Lexus, I think, and he had a lot, a lot of trouble with it mm-hmm. and finally brought it to us, and we found out the car had been flooded at one point in time. Right. So he was having tons of electrical problems with it. He said, I thought Lexus was a good car. Well, it is. It is. This one's been flooded. Right. It's going to be a money pit from now on. Had you brought it to me before you spent the $4,000 fixing it, I could have told you that. And I'm going to tell you right now, the Ford that you've already dumped on it everywhere else, is that's gone. Yeah. Because the car is still a flood car. Problems. And it's going to probably, you know, once that water gets in the car and sits, humidity gets up, it gets into every connection on the car, it gets into all the modules on the car, and they start failing one after the other after the other. Right. I'm not saying it couldn't ever be fixed, but it's very, it's very gonna difficult. It's going to be expensive. Very, very difficult expensive. And very expensive fix. And if that's the case, why not just start out with something better? Exactly. If you're going to dump six seven thousand dollars into an old car why not just add that back to the price that you're paying up front and just get a better car and save all the headache sure so you want to make sure you're getting the best now i know you do a lot of pre-purchase inspections at agco and you might go over a few of the things now this is different from a general inspection right a general inspection we're checking your car That's you right. know that car you have a history with that car so we're not looking for things like wreck damage or flood damage or anything like that you know the history of that vehicle and we're not looking for the most part for hidden or disguised damage right there's no one has gone your car and tried to hide something from you this is your car so that's a general inspection a pre-purchase inspection we don't know right so we're looking over the whole car we're looking for anything that has been changed on this vehicle right we're looking at paint we're looking at body fit we're looking at engine noises anything any history of, let's say, if it had a timing belt, has, right. it, has a belt been changed? Well, we're looking for is, evidence of recent work on the car. <clears throat> sure. Because if I see the pan has been dropped on this transmission and it's got an orange RTV all around the pan, you and I both know that's probably going to be somebody who doesn't know what the heck they're doing or they mm-hmm. wouldn't use orange RTV on a transmission, transmission pan in the first pan. place. That is a definite red flag. 
So I'm going to concentrate on that transmission because it's a huge expense. Now, if I check the air conditioner and I see that this has just recently been charged and I see evidence of leaks here and there and yonder, okay, it may be blowing cold right now, but I'm going to start honing in on that. What I'm doing on a pre-purchase inspection is looking for reasons you do not want to buy this car. Right. And the way that we bill at AGCO, and everybody's got their own ways of billing, but we bill for the amount of time we spend on the car. Right. So if we get a car in and we find a major problem within 10 minutes, right. we're going to let you know, hey, this car has got a major problem. Right. We've got 10 minutes in it. I'm going to stop right now, and you're only going to pay for the 10 minutes of time that I spent exactly. on Exactly. There's no use paying me for a full hour to completely go over the car and document everything wrong with it. If, if we, you're not going to buy it anyway. Right. If I take the car, drive it around, the check engine light's on. It's pulling to the right. Pulling hit the brakes, the right. it takes off to the left. Yeah. Well, we're done. Crank it up, my hear time and chain rattling, and transmission slipping, and there's a transmission code in it. Well, I found all that out in 15 minutes. Do you really want to keep checking? Exactly. This That's is not, enough. Yeah, not a car we're even going to consider. Right. Another example might be if I take the radiator cap off to draw a coolant sample and it is the wrong color. Well, it looks, like, it's it looks all, like rust. Right. It's like solid rust. It's time to stop. Yeah, because you know this car is going to have major cooling system issues. And by the time you buy a radiator and a heater core and set of intake gaskets and a water pump. And, two or three heater cores and two well, or three radiators. And yeah, you're going to spend way more than it would if you'd have just found a better car to start with. Yeah, this is not a car we need to spend a whole lot of time fine-tuned looking at things now let's say we start checking the car and everything looks good right well i'm going to keep on going sure i'm going to keep looking further and further and further until i find a reason that you might not want to buy the car Mm -hmm. now at the end of about an hour i can pretty pretty much say those cars and if i haven't found anything at all in an hour's time i would say that your odds of having a problem with this car are greatly diminished now clearly we're not mind readers We, we can't foretell the future I can't say this car is not going to ever have a problem, but, but you have odds. greatly increased your odds of not having a problem. Correct. So when you start to increase your odds like that, what you do is you're saving more and more money, Right. which was the purpose of going into this used car in the first place. Hey, we're going to take one more quick little break, but we will be right back with more. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call, 291-6901. Hi folks, Louis Aldazan here from Agco Automotive. This year we celebrate 40 years in business, and man, I can't believe all the calls we receive from national dignitaries. Louis, it's the governor. I'm taking time out from my new movie to congratulate you on 40 years. I got to run, but I'll be back. Louis, hey, I'm playing golf with an old friend, and we wanted to call and say that 40 years is quite a run. Louis, that is absolutely splendorific. <laughs> hey, Louis, James here, 40 years, wow. You know, there's nothing more I like than a good homegrown Louisiana success story, except, well, maybe politicking and my tigers. You up now, you hear? Well, I'm flattered. I guess even in the world of politics, honesty and integrity are still something to value. Okay, well, maybe outside the world of politics. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go.
Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldersand, President of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between the two of us, we're trying to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us calls, 291-6901. And we got Claude on the line. Good morning, Claude. Hey, I'm Claude. I got a 2001 Silverado, and I'm having trouble with the fuel gauge. When I stop off, get fuel in it. Mm-hmm. I find that gate wants to flow back and forth. It does that so it goes all the way up to full. It may do it around 15 times, you know, before it gets up there. Mm-hmm. But while I'm driving, it will, it will go off to, like, a quarter. Then it will drop down to empty and go off to, like, almost almost a half, drop back to empty and go up a little more. And, that, and it will do that until it gets to full. Yeah, that, that's almost always going to be one of two things, Claude. Number one and the most common is the fuel sender unit in the tank has got a bad spot in it. And when the level gets to a certain point, I'm going to have to put you on hold because I'm getting a bunch of background noise. But when the sender gets to a certain point, as the fuel level starts to rise and hits that bad spot, it starts to do all that crazy stuff. Now, if it gets above the spot or below the spot or whatever, it may smooth out after that. The second thing is the wire harness that plugs into the fuel pump a lot of times, if the fuel pump's been replaced before, what happens is somebody might get a little rough when they plug and unplug those connectors, and they can actually stretch the connectors out to where they don't make good contact anymore. And if you get a little bit of a loose connection, it can also cause that same kind of a problem, that or a burn connection. I would say if you've got more than, say, 100, 150,000 miles and the fuel pump has not been replaced, it's probably worth just go ahead and buy a pump because a new pump's going to come with a sender unit. And did it come with a new plug, a new uh, connector also? probably does on that one because they revised that plug. Right. A lot of those older ones come with the connector and all. And go ahead and change that. Now, it's very, very simple to check that if you've got the proper tooling. We've got a scan tool called a Tech 2. And what a Tech 2 will do, that's a GM tool. I can plug in. I can sit there and command the gauge to a quarter tank, a half tank, three-quarters tank, full tank. And I can watch it. And if it sweeps nice and full, then I know the wiring and I know the instrument in dash is both working perfectly and that test takes maybe 10 minutes it's a real easy easy test just to ensure that's what it is but in almost every case it's either going to be the send unit or it's going to be the connector yeah the connector itself so right if you hadn't changed that pump then go ahead and replace because now, if you change the pump recently you could have gotten a defective pump sure particularly if you didn't buy an ac delco because a lot of the aftermarket pumps on the market are just defective right out of the box and you'll see those kinds of problems with those and those come with the sending unit yeah they come with the sending unit right so you can get a defect right out of the box sorry if i, if I didn't totally answer your question just call back and maybe you can call on a landline i was getting so much background noise i couldn't hardly hear you on that one we were talking about used cars, used cars inspection. First, that's another thing we always check on a used car inspection. Do all the gauges work? Right. And, of course, there's a whole list of stuff that we generally are looking at. Right. We can start this week. We'll probably run out of time before we get to the <laughs> end of it. But there's a lot of things you can do yourself before you actually bring the vehicle to us right. or to anyone. Well, because if you spot something yourself, there's no sense paying someone to inspect it. Exactly. You can walk around the car, look at the paint. Does all the paint match? Or is one fender a little shiny or a different shade or than the others or something of that nature? You can almost tell that that vehicle's been in an accident. Look at the body fit. Do the body lines line up? Does it look correct sitting in the parking lot? Like, is it leaning to one side or is it leaning to the back or the front or is the one corner higher than the other one? You can see, most people can see all that and be able to tell this is not the car we want. Well, they may not know what's wrong, but they know something is wrong. Right. And those cracks, like in the hood, that crack should be the same width on both sides, 
and the same width from the top to the bottom of the hood. Right. If you look back at the windshield and see how wide the crack is, when you get all the way to the front to the grill, that it crack should be, should be the, same. the same width. It shouldn't be wider on one side than the other. It shouldn't get wide at the top and run down because those can indicate unibody damage or frame damage. Correct. Which can be fixed. Right. But do you really want to start fixing a car? That you don't need to. Well, unless someone's going to give you the car. Right. I mean, if you're buying, let's say, a three-year-old car with fairly low mileage for 20% of its value, okay, well, that's a different story. Then you we know, have it checked and see what else is wrong with right. it. Right. You may be something you want to invest in and do some fixing. Right. No. Just because it's been in an accident doesn't mean, doesn't mean you don't want that car. Mm-hmm. It just, like you were saying, it depends on what you can get it for and how much you're going to have to get in it to get it straightened out. Well, on fit and finish, another thing that they can do, they can actually look at the wheel relative to the wheel opening. Correct. You can see that if one of the wheels is back in the opening and the other one's not, Mm -hmm. that usually indicates a lower bent control arm, maybe from hitting a pothole. That's right. Not necessarily an accident. Mm -hmm. We straighten that kind of stuff out all the time. Well, and what they can do, just a very, very simple backyard kind of test, I mean, they can take their fingers and put it between the tire and the back of the fender on one side, walk over to the other side, stick the same number of fingers in there, and it should be about the same fit. Right. Now, always use the back of the fender. Right. Do not use the front of the fender because the front of the fender can change because of the way the front bumper fits. That's right. The back of the fender is not going to change because it is bolted to the body in three or four places across the back. Yeah, it hooks into the A-pillar, so it's not going to move. And if that tire is maybe five fingers forward on one side and two fingers on the other, you definitely have some structural damage. Sure. Because it's not an adjustment, per se, that's going to count for that much change. Right. Now, another thing they can do is just stand back and look at the tires. And they should be standing fairly straight up. Mm -hmm. If one of them's leaning in or one of them looks like it's leaning out, then that's an indication of maybe a bent part, definitely an alignment issue. So that needs to be looked at. Like I said before, a lot of that stuff can be fixed fairly reasonable. Mm -hmm. So it just depends on what you're getting into the vehicle for, how much, as to how much we're going to have to to spend to get it straightened out. And if you notice a lot of these kinds of things, then you may not want to invest the money to even have this vehicle checked. You might just want to move on. Sure. Now, let's say you've noticed some things, but you think it's still a pretty good buy. You want to bring it to the shop for a pre-purchase inspection, but you want to make the shop aware of the things that you've noticed. Sure. Because chances are they're going to catch them anyway, but that's where they can start looking because these are probably the most likely issues. So they can save money over checking a lot of other things and see, because if they start checking that and that is a major issue, they may want to stop right there. Sure. You're going to save time, which in time is money. If you point out some of the things that you've seen in it, and there's Mm -hmm. some things that you will not be able to see because you can't actually get underneath the car and look. Mm -hmm. That's where a shop comes in handy. They can put that car on a rack. They can lift it up and look at the suspension components. Look at the mounts. Look at the way the bodies are bolted down. Look at the way the frame is fit. There's different things that a technician can do underneath the vehicle. Look for VIN numbers on all the parts and make sure they all match and that they're on all the parts. Because Some, replacement parts are not going to have a VIN number on them. Right. Some of your cars, Toyotas and mm-hmm. Lexus, things like that, they actually have the VIN number stamped on a placard on every body part. Every major part, yeah. Right. So if that part has been changed or if that part's been reworked and that sticker's gone, you know something's happened to that fender or the hood or the front. Well, it doesn't mean this is the end of the world and we don't want this car. It no, means it just we means... got to look closer on this one because right. we want to make sure we don't have structural damage with a bunch of shims and somebody slotted the holes out and made it all look good. See, that's another problem you get into with a used vehicle is if you have someone unscrupulous, which many times you don't know this, they can disguise a lot of things. Sure. 
one of the things a motor a dirty motor tells you a good bit but a clean motor tells you very little exactly a vehicle where the engine has just been washed and it's got that clear spray all over uh-huh. is a definite red flag to me i don't want to see that i want to see the engine in the original condition right because why number one why did it have to be cleaned and number why two, why it? they spray this clear crud <laughs> all over it? <laughs> yeah. Because it looks real cheesy to me. It does. I don't like it either. No, it looks like what it is. It looks like something came out of a used car lot. So but it looks like they're trying to hide something to me. That's right. You know, if I look at the engine and it's got oil running out of the valve covers, and I know the valve covers are leaking. Right. If i got oil leaking around the oil pan, I can spot that. If the engine has been all cleaned up, I'm not going to see those things. So now I've got to go way, way deeper, and i got to look at this with a much finer comb mm-hmm. because someone has taken an effort to disguise, to disguise it. some damage from me. Now, other things you might run into is like you'll get a car and the IM tests are all incomplete. Okay. Well, that means there's a possibility someone could have cleared the memory because the check engine light was on. The check engine light may have been on because you got a bad catalytic converter on this car, which could be a $2,000 repair on some cars. Sure. So if I get a car in and the IM tests are all incomplete, I'm going to look way, way harder at all the engine management system functions on this car than I am on one if the IM tests are complete and there's no codes in memory. All right, same thing with a new battery. Yeah. If, when you disconnect the battery, you clear all those tests, and they take time to rerun. So if they're not run yet, we need to start looking. Now, another thing is if I look at a car and it's got four different kind of tires on it, that is definitely going to be a red flag to me because – Someone's been changing tires out one at a time. Mm-hmm. Now, why is that? Well, a lot of times because he's run over something and busted one tire, busted two tires. Maybe or, he's got a wear issue going on. He keeps wearing out tires. He keeps rotating tires out, and he just buys them wherever the cheapest. Doesn't mean there's necessarily a problem, but it is an indication of a problem. Well, so, it's an indication that the maintenance probably hasn't been kept up on the right. vehicle. Because, We're going to look a lot closer at the suspension on that car right. than we would with one with – Four well, middle-aged tires that are all not worn. And same thing with four brand-new tires. Right. You want to be aware of that also mm-hmm. because four brand-new tires indicates, hey, why would they trade this in, put four, four, four brand-new brand new tires. tires on it, and then right. get rid of it? Right. So, Especially if it's got four cheap brand-new brand new tires. tires. Exactly. <laughs> definite, definite red flag. Hey, I tell you, we're just about out of time again. We're going to start winding up and getting on out of here. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. and. Go to your favorite broadcast service, and if there's a place for a written rating, please give us one. Yeah, we really appreciate written reviews because it moves us up in the ratings so more folks can hear us. also makes our day, lets us know we're doing a good job. Well, uh, tell everybody how much we appreciate them spending their Saturday morning with us this morning, and preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.